Companies are looking for new ways to transform their business to remain relevant and differentiated within their industry. Technology now plays a central role in this transformation. Hello, and welcome to the CIO in the Know podcast, where I take a provocative but pragmatic look at the intersection of business and technology. I'm your host, Tim Crawford, a CIO and strategic advisor at Avoa. This week, I'm joined by Asan Beg, the Chief Information Officer of AC Transit. In our discussion, we cover Asan's perspective on how the pandemic has created a silver lining for his organization and stakeholders. We talk about the importance of innovation and how he navigates bringing new technology into a government entity. In addition, he shares his view on what it means to be pragmatic when it comes to innovation. Lastly, we get personal and discuss how the pandemic has changed his perspective and how he's preparing for the post-pandemic period. Asan, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. It's just an honor for me to be on, on your program. Well, it's an honor for me to have you on the program. You and I have had a number of conversations over time in different forums. So just to kind of set the foundation for our audience, you're the Chief Information Officer for AC Transit. So maybe to get us started, talk to us a little bit about who you are and your role as CIO. So uh, again, thank you very much for the opportunity, Tim. So I started with AC Transit about three years ago, about 2017, when this opportunity came up. I uh, said, well, this looks pretty interesting. Transit industry is at the crossroad of new business models, new technologies, a lot of automation, fairly specific about solving you know, a problem, which is the mobility. And then I said, well, this sounds pretty good and very interesting. So I said, let me avail this opportunity. So I've been in, in uh, IT industry for almost 27 years, born and raised in, in Karachi, Pakistan, you know, came to the United States for my uh, higher education and thinking that, yeah, I'm going to get my master's done and then probably go back to Pakistan and uh-huh. you know, continue working there. But uh, that, <laughs> never, that never happened. So uh, I'm, I'm here, you know, with my own family, you know, I have wife and then two sons and, you know, we live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So this is my country. This is my hometown now. That's great. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, lucky that, you know, I have the opportunity to work both in the private sector and in the public sector. And before joining AC Transit, I did work about 15 years for City of Oakland in a similar role. It's a great, I guess, you know, experience from my perspective, seeing, uh, you know, what things could be done in the private sector and now trying to get things done in the public sector. CIO role, I think, is very critical at AC Transit. And not only, you know, within public sector, but also in private sector, because mm-hmm. now the CIOs are becoming sort of a business leaders and, and trusted partners to to grow and, and to help expand business. And, you know, we see also at AC Transit, this role is emerging and it's becoming fairly almost like overlapping between technology and the business. So, so a lot of business initiatives are actually relying on technology and the right choices of technology and the right decision-making when it comes to helping the business. So, so I'm, I'm really lucky that I'm here. I'm, I'm helping my you know, customer base, mm-hmm. about you know, 1.5 million customers and users you know, wow. who, are living, who are living in the East Bay Area, rely on AC Transit for their day-to-day uh, mobility uh, needs. You know, we... We help about 200,000 people on a daily basis. It's mm-hmm. almost like a town, mm-hmm. a city of 200,000 population moving on a daily basis. I mean, it's a, it's a monumental task. So really kudos to our, our operators and our mechanics, you know, who are providing these kind of services. And of course, uh, during COVID-19, 
it is a bit of a challenge. There are a lot of underserved communities and essential workers who may not have their own private cars or, or vehicles. They are relying heavily on public transit. So I'm really proud and, and very passionate about you know what we do and how we do on, on a daily basis. No, that's great. And we're grateful to have you both here in the country as well as in the community amongst fellow CIOs and IT leaders. So welcome. You talked about how COVID-19 has really kind of brought that whirlwind of challenges to each of our companies. I mean, we're, we're all facing that. We're living that. How did this impact you in the public sector and considering the services that you provide? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Tim. I, I think definitely COVID-19, you know, is a kind of a, you know, once in a lifetime, you know, experience, you know, we haven't, of course, seen in, in, in almost like in a century. So uh, it is something which is very, you know, devastating and, and had it, its impact on, on community and people globally. But, you know, from the silver lining perspective and an opportunity perspective, you know, definitely it sort of brought technology and IT into the front line, into the front end uh, spotlight. There was a lot of concern and a lot of challenges about technology and adoption and how technology can help. But because of the COVID-19 and change in the, you know working conditions, it definitely helped me pushing the, the agenda of the digital transformation, you know, what we have been trying to do. And it's kind of uh, interesting that, you know, some people talk about that, you know, who are the main, you know, players when it comes to digital transformation and, and adoption? Uh, is it really the CEO or the CIO? or the chief data officer, well, it's really, in this case, uh, COVID-19. Hmm. You and I both have experience, you know, whenever we try to, you know, deploy or roll out new technology and, and, you know, we see the benefit, you know, after going through quite a bit of focus group kind of a feedback work, still you have, you find resistance and you find some challenges but from the adoption perspective. But I can tell you, you know, in this, during this whole crisis and this work from home and, you know, remote working conditions, the adoption has been, you know, amazing. Hmm. People have been more forthcoming and demanding technologies for collaboration, whether it's a video, or it's a conference call, it's a chatting, it's, you know, whatever technology, or it's an e-signature. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, lot of those things, they have been on my to-do list for a long time. I'm just amazed at how many things, you know, I was able to accomplish in last one year, despite of the challenges of working from home, my team was able to get it done. I mean, in our our wow. our help desk tickets numbers, you know, got up to gosh, like a 37, 39% from the regular, you know, uh, help desk tickets coming in. And yet we were able to take care of a lot of those, you know, issues and a lot mm-hmm. of those challenges. It has been fairly, you know, helpful from that perspective. But uh, at the same time, I think it also taught us how resilient human beings are despite of these challenges and these issues, you know, we were able to took the challenge and we were able to get it done with the, with the new things. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. And it's nice to hear that you're kind of looking at that silver lining. I think too often, you know, we kind of get into that cocoon of, oh my gosh, the world is crumbling around us. What do we do? What do we do? And there's so much opportunity for technology. So let's kind of shift the conversation a little bit around that. You work for a government organization, you know, in the public sector, but and technology is moving really quickly, and you've had some great successes. How does someone that's listening to this kind of reconcile those two? Because typically, you the perception would be that a government organization in the public sector wouldn't necessarily move quickly enough to be able to adapt and adopt 
a number of these new technologies. How do you reconcile that? And how did you kind of navigate those landmines in some ways? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a very big challenge, Tim. You're 100% right. And that is part of the job, I guess, when you're working for a government organization. And, you know, as I said earlier, that I'm sort of lucky that, you know, I had the flavor of working in the private sector. And now, you know, for almost you know, 18, 20, 19 years, I've been in the public sector. Government, by default, you know, it's an entity, you know, we don't take risks. There is no question about it. Mm -hmm. We try our best to avoid those risks. And that's the reason why, you know, we have sometimes people complain that, you know, we have this, you know, huge red tape that, you know, everything has to go through all these different reviews and approvals. I mean, that is true because, you know, we are dealing with uh, public money, you know, so taxpayers' money. So we have to be extremely, extremely careful before we take any kind of initiative. And technology, you know, it's really, there's a lot of risk when it comes to technology deployment and technology adoption. Yes, technology is moving, you know, very fast. One of the challenges is the pace of technology. Mm -hmm. I would say that even consumers, you know, have better connectivity and better compute devices, uh, you know, at their homes as compared to sometimes, you know, when people come to work with a shared internet and, and connection and the devices and the workstations, you know, we get mm -hmm. because of the whole enterprise, you know, uh, architecture and, and framework and standards, you know, we have to go through. But I guess one of the things I was driving at is I'm curious how, how you take that and apply it to a government organization that might have to go through those hoops? Like, what changes did you have to make in order to have those successes that you articulated just a couple minutes ago? I mean, that's not a trivial piece, and I want to make sure that comes out for the audience, you know, how you had that success. Honestly, I, I would attribute that success to our customers, our writers. That is my, my answer, really. A lot, a lot of these things, you know, what you're seeing in government and what you're observing and experiencing, they are really coming from our writers, from our customers. They mm. are demanding better technology. I mean, you know, five, 10 years ago, Tim, you know, when we used to take public transit, I mean, I, I went to school, uh, you know, all my life, you know, when I was in New York and New Jersey, I, I used to take NJ Transit and I used to take, sure. you, know, the, uh, you know, New York City Transit, the, the subway system when I was going to City College. And I, and I used to have the time on the paper and schedule and everything. Well, the world has changed now. You know, people need real time bus information. They need to know when my bus is going to come. They need to know what's going to be the capacity. They need to know how many people are going to be there. They need to know if there are any seats available and they need to pay ahead of time and they need to have the, you know, the ticket and everything. Even if they're taking multiple transit, like in San Francisco Bay Area, if I'm traveling from Fremont to San Francisco, the likelihood is I'm probably going to be relying on two, three different transit. Mm -hmm. So technology is the glue. And that glue is very well understood by, by our riders. So they are demanding because there are alternatives. If you don't have time, but you do have money, well, you know, the likelihood that you may be taking, you know, right here. Well, everyone, you know, may not have that luxury. So sure. that's the reason why it's my job and our job in public sector to leverage technology, enable our users, uh, empower our employees, and offer those services. So I think at the governance level, our board of directors, they are very forward-looking. They recognize that. And I'm really glad that whenever it comes to technology and implementation, you know, I get the support from my board. And that support really means the proper funding, the proper resources. That's spectacular. I mean, that's great to hear. It's frankly refreshing to hear how an organization has kind of changed and how you are getting that support from your leadership. When you think about 
how you're leveraging new technology. You know, automation and artificial intelligence quite often get brought up in these conversations. Where does that fit in for you? You know, new technology, but maybe these specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think the fun part of, I guess, of being a CIO is that, you know, you have access to a lot of these new technologies, but I think you you definitely want to be very careful before you put a lot of your trust into any of those technology. I think the automation definitely is one of the key components of AC Transit IT strategic plan, because that's where we see a lot of benefits, you know, whether we are talking about providing the information to our riders or, or getting the real-time maintenance diagnostic alert to our, our maintenance workers. That's where I'm seeing, you know, a lot of automation being deployed. I think it has to really bring the business value, Tim. I'm not a believer of just deploying technology for the sake of technology because it just looks, you know, so jazzy and sexy and, you know, we're going to... Mm-hmm go and adopt it. It has to really solve a business problem. So whether you're talking about automation, you're talking about AI, I think AI has definitely a a very much uh, big promise. But I think the underlying core technology, which is the data, that needs to be done fairly uh, methodically and carefully. So we're spending a lot of our time in putting the proper data governance in place. We need to make sure that we have the proper architecture, proper infrastructure before we enable anything to do with machine learning on AI or decision-making. The models need to be built based on highly qualified data, high-quality data. You cannot just have AI enabled and you don't have the proper data set available. So a lot of those things need to be done. There's a lot of education needs to be done. And again, I'm really a firm believer in enabling these technologies to make sure that my business truly understand the value of these new services and they can leverage it. No, I think that's really important. You know, I often talk about this paradigm between being provocative but pragmatic. And what you're really talking about is kind of how you balance that between those two. When we've spoken before, you talk about being pragmatic when it comes to innovation specifically. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah, so I think it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, I guess, happening in the public sector. I think you may start seeing, Tim, you know, more uh, sort of a chief innovation officer types of roles are emerging in public sector. I would say that five years ago or seven years ago, really pretty much everything was, you know, chief information officer. Well, I think now it's the time for us to start thinking about really introducing innovation and adopting innovation. But at the same time, you know, we have to be very pragmatic. I guess I'm lucky that I'm in Silicon Valley. I do have <laughs> access to a lot of these, you know, innovative companies and these uh, entities, these startups. I worked with UC Berkeley and, and Stanford and their students and some of their, you know, VC program. And a lot of time they have some great ideas and then great solutions. And, and sometimes they just need to work with someone like, you know, ourselves, a public agency where we do have a real business problem. We also have data. We also have knowledge. And uh, sometimes we just need to put those two things together with someone who is you know, innovative and trying to create a completely new solution. When you put these two things together, you know, I think that really you know, helps a lot. But at the end of the day, Tim, you know, my job is to make sure that you know our services is up and running, our buses are on the road, we are picking up our passengers, we are safe, we are reliable, and we are sustainable. Am I going to be measured based on how many innovations I have done in public sector? 
you know, probably not. So sure. really the focus, you know, my job focus is to make sure that, you know, my 24 by 7 operation is safe, is secure, and it's reliable. Innovation, absolutely it comes. I do spend quite a bit of time in looking for those solutions and working with those partners, whether it's academia or it's commercial or it's a private. Absolutely. There's a big hmm. opportunity for me or for like you know, myself to continue working on those options. That's great. And as you said, you know, in, in your own way, you've got to keep the trains on time, right? It just happens to be that they're on wheels and on roads instead of on rails. Yep. So, you know, as you kind of fast forward through this pandemic period and you think about the post-pandemic period, what does that look like for you? And are there things that you're trying to put in place today that kind of set you up for success in that post-pandemic period? Yeah, I think definitely the things, you know, we have been during this pandemic and, and work from home and, you know, remote workforce conditions. I think uh, these practices or these, I guess, activities, uh, they are going to continue post-pandemic. And, and I'll give you, you know, a couple of examples. Business continuity, for example, mm. you know, it's, it's a great concept, you know, yeah, it may be, you know, very well adopted in private sector, but public sector, you know, we do have a lot of challenges because there's a cost associated with it. There's no question about it. I think you give them a lot of credit, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. And I think maybe they have some more money and more funding, I guess. Maybe that's the reason why. But I think, you know, we, on the business continuity side, I think, you know, we, we always think that, yeah, yeah, we... You know, we have a plan, you know, somewhere it is sitting, you know, on a shelf and, you know, whenever that thing happened, you know, or something, we're going to be able to continue working on it. But during this uh, COVID-19 situation, I can tell you that, you know, when I, when I approach, you know, my leadership, my general manager and board that, you know, I have to invest some money into business continuity, into resiliency and, you know, making sure that, you know, we, we continue our operation no matter what happens to whether our data center or our network operation center or our operation control center, which is, you know, a 24 by 7 operation, there was no resistance. So I think that's something I would say that that is going to help, you know, us tremendously in, in long in long term. And then in general, just uh, working conditions and work from home, the whole, you know, this concept uh, was very, was not very well, I guess, uh, adopted or accepted in public sector, because again, you know, we are a, we are a transit agency company, we're a transit mm-hmm. agency. You know, we, our job is to make sure we have buses on the street. So we are physically present to get our job done. And when it comes to, you know, IT or other admin staff, it's very hard, I guess, before COVID-19 to sell that, no, I, I still have my DBAs, my software developers working from home, and they will be able to get the job done. Well, now we are still operating the same way we were operating before COVID-19, you know, really even, I would say, I would even, you know, argue that uh, maybe some of the staff, you know, are performing far better because they have much more flexibility. So I think this whole experience is a great learning experience, not only just from the business perspective, but also from the working conditions and also work-life balance situation. Mm -hmm. We are latching on to some new tools and new technologies, and I think these things are going to stay with us for long term. No, that's great. I do agree with you. I think a lot has changed, and you know, I think someone else had mentioned this before. This great experiment that we're all living in has really kind of accelerated some of the movements that were long coming, but also in flight prior to the pandemic, they just maybe accelerated some of those moves like working from home and changing that work-life balance. But let's talk a little bit about you for a minute. 
Because I think this is an important aspect to this. You know, it's easy to talk about things in a third person, but I think it's really important to understand the person themselves too. And from a personal perspective, how has this pandemic changed you, your leadership style, the role that you play, the way you think? How has it changed you as a person? Well, I think on a personal level, Tim, definitely it uh, has brought me closer to some of my staff members. I guess we are more connected uh, as compared to what we used to be, I think now, because, you know, if I'm on Teams or, or email, you know, my presence, you know, is always there. And, and and I think that sort of a hesitation that used to be when I was in my office and, you know, people sitting on my floor or other floors, it used to require some effort on their part to just, you know, schedule something and come and see me and talk to me and sit down. I think that barrier is sort of a gone because now they just see me in a green, you know, dot uh, sign is available. They just ping me and they start, you know, chatting and talking and, and sharing their work or their experience or their challenges, whatever they're going through. So I think it definitely this experience of working from home has brought me closer to my own staff because I think I'm seeing, in fact, you know, a bit more openness, even, you know, sharing personal stories and, and personal challenges, you know, of course, working from home. So I'm thinking I found myself to be more engaged and I definitely have more empathy and, and, and some of the people, you know, how challenging it is, you know, when schools are remote, uh, especially, you know, younger parents, you know, working and at the same time having kids and then schooling and homework and all those challenges. So I think it definitely just brings a completely different perspective for me and uh, I think I'm, I'm seeing that people, my staff have been extremely, extremely responsive, responsible, mm-hmm. long hours, weekends. I think it's just phenomenal. So I think I'm seeing a significant uptick in productivity and, and in responsiveness. And do you think that'll go beyond the pandemic? So once we go into post-pandemic and the next normal, if you will, do you think some of these cultural shifts will stick I think personally that, you know, we will, if we continue with this flexibility, Tim, I think, you know, I don't know, five days per week, you know, working from home now, maybe one year from today, you know, hopefully we'll have all vaccinated and all, you know, safe. We'll be able to mingle again and probably we'll be having two days or three days, you know, work from home, depending on the organization. I think this trend, I think, is going to continue. How flexible people have been, I think people are going to find much more openness and more connectivity, I think that's going to help us. No, that's great. So as we kind of wrap on the episode, you know, one of the questions I always ask, and I think it's a great way to kind of wrap on this particular conversation is, if you think about where you go from here, and you think about the role of the CIO, what excites you most? I think that just the role itself and the leadership role, I think to me, it's very, very exciting. I mean, that really just give me energy every day, Tim, that, you know, because of my role and because of my organization, that public service passion that just, you know, gets me going on a daily basis, that how critical the technology has become in our daily lives. And, and you know, I am in that role, uh, in CIA role, helping my peers, my executive team, and my boss, you know, general manager and the board in making the right choices and the right decisions and inspiring my own team and motivating my own team and providing them a very important you know, direction and a vision that is going to help and that is going to transform the, the industry, public transit, and that's going to eventually help our riders with a better service. So, so I think that is very, very exciting role. 
I say all the time that I have really never seen in my 27 years that IT, you know, is playing and becoming so, so pivoted into any organization. So it's a really good time for IT and for technology and, and people in the role of CIOs. No, that's great. Asan, we're going to have to leave it right there. Hey, thanks so much for taking part in the program today. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks for having me on your, on your program. Appreciate it. For more information on the CIO In The Know podcast, visit us online at ciointhenow.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.